From economics to geopolitics, this is The Shady Economist. I'm your host, Alex Colalillo, an economist and risk advisor. Please join me and special guests on all things economics, international relations and more. I'm here to keep you informed, simplify complex economic theory and equip you with the tools to empower yourself and engage in intellectual debate. So, let's get started. Welcome to the Christmas special, where economics meets Italian dessert. Two Italians, one cannoli. And if you're wondering who the second Italian is here, I'd like to welcome Luke D'Ambrogio onto the show. Hello. 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 How are you today? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Today we'll be launching into the startup of Luke's small business called Divine Cannoli and how he's managed to be so epically successful in such a short period of time. So we'll be hoping to hear some tips along the way, especially for those of you who have startups or who are even considering launching your own business. And if you haven't heard of what a cannoli is before, it's a form of Italian dessert, but I'll let Luke share the technicalities. So this episode is going to be pretty light on nothing too economically technical this time. So we're very excited to have you here, Luke. It would be great if you could give us a bit of a background about yourself and why you started your cannoli business. Okay. Well, I used to work in advertising for about seven years as a copywriter and basically was doing that for a long time. And then as of this year, I decided to do something pretty different and went completely the other way and decided to make food, Yeah. specifically cannoli. And yeah, that's basically it. I mean, I was working doing like catering and stuff as well. Mm. Like I used to work for a pizza catering company. I still do sometimes like going to people's functions and jobs, mm. you know, birthdays and stuff like that and catering there. And then as of very recently decided to go my own way. Yeah. It's called Divine Cannoli. Divine Cannoli. Why did you call it Divine Cannoli? I wanted to think of words that you relate to good food. Yeah. So like when you, when you bite into something and you're like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, it's mm. so good. Mm-hmm. And that word divine kept coming back. And I don't know, it was just one of those ones that I wrote divine cannoli. And I was talking to a few people and that was the one that everyone seemed to like the most. Yeah. And it's, it's just a good word. Before we get into the technicalities of your, of your business, Luke, it'd be good to understand, you know, what cannoli is for those of people who actually haven't tried cannoli. A lot of people haven't. That's yeah. one thing that has surprised me doing yeah. this is a lot of people are like, oh, it's my first time ever trying one. So it's an Italian dessert. It mm-hmm. originates from Sicily and it's basically like a tube of dough that's been fried and then it's filled traditionally with ricotta. Mm-hmm like a sweetened ricotta. Uh, Sometimes it's filled with custard or mascarpone cheese. You can fill it with whatever you want. Yeah. Ours are filled with ricotta and different flavors, a whole range of flavors. But that's it. It's an Italian dessert. It's pretty popular in Italy and here. And yeah, that's the cannoli. Well, I look forward to trying one because... I usually eat my nonna's own cannoli, so I'll be judging pretty hard. Um, That's all right. But if you are wondering, we are not revealing any uh, recipes today. Actually, Italians don't really give away their recipes. I'm not sure what it's like in your family, Luke. It's very intense. Very intense. I had to fight pretty hard to get this recipe from my own nonna. Oh, really? Yeah. So you won't even give it to your own grandchildren. They'd rather go down to the grave with their recipe (laughs) than share it with their own family. Yeah, that's very true. So, look, you started your business during a period of economic uncertainty, which is fairly interesting. Mm -hmm. 
while starting a business during a time of economic uncertainty sounds like a bad idea, there are some commonly known reasons, and I'll just list a few. So the first is there's less competition because obviously, you know, most people tend to start a business when the economy is flourishing. Second, uh, items that may contribute to your overhead costs may be cheaper, for example, because the economy is suffering. Third, customers you gain during this time could be more likely to stick with you when the economy recovers. And last, already established businesses um, tend to stop innovating their products during a time of downturn. And so entrepreneurs entering the market can use this as an opportunity to actually come up with fresh ideas. Luke, do any of these reasons resonate with you? I'll be honest, it was a one-off decision. So all those things are absolutely true, but in my case specifically, it was more, I wouldn't say it was completely a one-off decision, but it was one I'd sort of had in the back of my head, like I'd like to do something yeah. like this. But really the reason was like, I'm ready now. I'm ready, yeah. not anything else. Mm. Um, I think most people would probably say it wasn't the best time to do really? it. Yeah, just because of coronavirus, the lockdown, sure. there's a lot of uncertainty and everything. Sure. But for me, it everything in my life kind of synced up at the right time. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I decided to do it now. Was it something you'd been planning for a while or did you have a few other ideas in mind about what sort of business you were considering to? I knew I wanted started? to do something with catering yeah. in some, some form or another. I mean, I always loved cannoli, so there was sort of like a light bulb moment. I was actually speaking with my mum and she was talking about my nonna and then everything kind of fell into place. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I can do. Yeah. That's it, because she has a great recipe. And I was like, perfect. This is it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. The cannoli's aligned. And I was ready. Yeah. What it's damn successful. In, and for those who are listening, Luke is actually killing it with his business. In fact, he's sold out all the cannolis for Christmas. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. As of last week. That's crazy. It's all sold out. Yeah. So we're going to dive into why this has happened and, and understand how Luke has been so successful. So hopefully you're going to pick up some tips and tricks along the way. For those of you who are considering maybe opening or starting up your own business, or for those just curious like myself. So without giving away your secret recipe, um, are all your ingredients sourced locally in Perth? They are, yeah. Okay. And all the ingredients are very high quality as well. So, you know, like it uses ricotta and mascarpone and stuff. Yeah. And they're all locally sourced. Okay. And do you find it ever difficult to obtain these products or, you know, do you have to go to specific Italian local stores or is it all readily accessible in the supermarket to be honest no um i don't get there are some things i i can get from the supermarket but i do go to suppliers specifically yeah i'm kind of lucky in the respect that a lot of the difficulty with cannoli is how they're made it's mm. the labor that's put into them and the technique more so than the ingredients because the ingredients are quite simple but they're good quality and the technique is the real tricky thing so i'm yeah. kind of lucky that i'm not putting like yeah. Some Amazonian saffron or something <laughs> in every single one. And um, yeah, yeah it, in that respect, I'm kind of lucky because even if one supplier couldn't provide it, there are a lot because they're quite common ingredients. Okay. But so, I have my preferred ones. It sounds quite technical, you know, to put the cannoli together, obviously making the shell and then stuffing it with the different ingredients. And at the moment, you're a one-man show. Mm -hmm. That's right. Do you plan in the long term to keep it that way or do you think you'd like partner up with someone else or employ people? I think if it continues how it's been going, I don't think I could do it all by myself. Mm. It's already kind of killing me a bit yeah. um, as it is. 
And yeah, I will have to get other people on eventually. Uh, I'm excited to do that and also like a little bit nervous too because letting go a bit of that control and having to have mm. other people is always a bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something that I will have to do eventually. Are there any regulations you have to comply with from like a health and safety perspective or oh, any yeah. red tape that you've had to go through to start this thing yeah, up? Yeah, definitely. So one thing I didn't know when I started was that you can't cook from home. I thought you could, but you can't. You can actually, if it's what's considered a low risk food. So if it's like cookies or things that are drier like that, um, you can cook from home as long as your kitchen is registered with the local government. Mm. But every government, every local council has their own rules sure. and their own guidelines and everything. But for me, because I'm using dairy and yeah. it has to be refrigerated, it was considered like a high risk food. Sure. Um, Makes sense. So, so I had to go through, I went through a couple councils actually, because the kitchens that I used were in different areas. Mm. Well, I was looking at different kitchens rather in different councils. And so I was going through each of them yeah. and they're all different. They all have different rules, okay. different regulations and everything. Sure. And what about from a cost perspective? For me to set up this podcast, for example, it cost me like $200 to buy a microphone. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> the rest is just time and, and commitment. What are the upfront costs in setting up a business like yours? There's the rental of the kitchen. That's mm. probably the biggest one. The advertising as well. I've put a lot of effort and time into the advertising and branding of it. Mm. Um, I was kind of lucky that I had a bit of background in that so I could mitigate some of those costs. Sure. But um, that was something that I really wanted to get right from the get-go. Yeah. Because you only really get one chance to get out there, mm. you know? Yeah, for sure. And you touched on marketing strategies. So how have you leveraged that in advertising background with marketing or cannoli? In a lot of ways. So my job before was a copywriter. So I was writing ads basically mm -hmm. for TV, radio, Facebook, um, a lot of different mediums. Yeah. So I was able to rely on that and I knew how to write an ad and write things that connect with people. In terms of my strategy, well, the first thing in terms of keeping it cheaper, I wanted to utilize food bloggers yeah so you go on facebook there's tons of people that follow food pages and have their own food pages that they they don't even make food but they just review other places so i basically i hit up a whole bunch of them yeah and was like hey i've got this business divine cannoli do you want to review it mm. and it was basically that simple a lot of them were like yeah sure i didn't have to pay or anything they just wanted me to drop it off and then they gave me a review and that gave me a huge boost in the beginning, especially yeah. because a lot of people, you know, they don't follow just one of these food bloggers. They mm. follow a lot. Sure. So some of these people on Instagram were just getting hit multiple times by different bloggers reviewing yeah. the same thing week after week. Yeah. And I actually had a few people tell me once, you know, when I would deliver to real customers, they would say, oh yeah, I saw it on Facebook, my friend or I follow this page and then this other page I followed did it. Yeah. And that was like a really inexpensive way of getting it out there. That's so interesting. That's an awesome strategy. I noticed that the quality of your pictures as well and your stories are like fairly professional. Do you do all that yourself as well? Yeah, I do it all myself. I like photography. I have a little bit of media and photography background as yeah. well at uni. So that helped as well. And it all sort of came together in that way. Yeah. All your skills applied into the yeah. that's great. Yeah, exactly. Even some of the videos that you've done, I've been like, quite <laughs> impressed with. I've just seen like cannoli after cannoli every day come up on my feed. I know. I, I've been a bit, been pretty aggressive with the <laughs> Facebook marketing. I think I've, to be honest, I've like maybe annoyed a few people because the people are like, oh yeah, I see it all the time. And I'm thinking, yeah, you don't sound very happy about that. 
Look, it's um, all Australian. I mean, I it's subconsciously in the back of my mind when I see it all the time. So yeah. it's good. Hey, it's, it's doing what it has to. So. And how much time do you spend on marketing versus making cannoli? I would say probably a third of my time is spent marketing. Yeah. It's a lot. Even when I was working in advertising, even really big clients that are really established that you think, oh, everyone knows these people. Yeah. The second that they stop advertising, everything dries up. Mm. All, it all dries up straight away. Yeah. And these are huge national brands and it's no different. Well, actually, it's especially that case for someone who's new. And you don't have to be dropping heaps of money or, or anything, but you have to be advertising in some way or another mm. or getting people to do reviews and stuff like that as well. Mm. So, yeah, probably a third, maybe even half right. at really? times. Yeah. You can just slap something up there and it's and that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you put that extra effort in, it really does show. Yeah, for sure. Luke, what other marketing strategies have you seen out there from food bloggers? There was one that I really loved that I thought was so genius. Basically, I saw this viral video for this burger place. I think it was in Korea. And it just is like this almost ASMR video of them making this burger and it's all beautifully shot and everything. Mm. And then at the end, they had like a little, almost like a little branding iron with the name of the restaurant and they burn it into the side of the burger. So there's this charred yeah. logo in the side of the burger. And when I saw it, I was like, what is, what are they doing? Like, mm. what is that? And it was because when people take photos of the food, because everyone takes photos of their food now and they tag it on Instagram yeah. or whatever, the name of the place is in every photo. It's like instant branding on every single photo. So I thought that was so smart. I think anyone who can pull that off in some way you know, make it look pretty and then make your logo or something in there in mm. the photo that you don't have to ask them to tag it or whatever. I think that's, I thought that was so smart. Such a good idea. Do you think you could put that on your, on your cannoli or <laughs> might be a bit challenging? With the... I, I was, to be honest, I tried doing it with icing sugar, yeah. like trying to dust a, uh, a D into the icing sugar, but it didn't really work. Bit challenging. Yeah. yeah it's fair enough. <laughs> By the way, how's your gin? It's really good. Yeah. Especially like the lemon. Yeah, okay, I'm glad. Yeah. I didn't have any limes, but I thought... Actually, I was with a friend earlier today, and she asked me whether... Her name's Rachel, and she asked me whether I drank during podcast episodes. And I thought, actually... That's I, a great idea. That's a great idea. What it is a good that? idea. It is, yeah. I never do it on my own. I usually do it when I'm interviewing others. But um, that's why I asked if you watched the gym before we started. Uh, but on to product diversification, I'm not sure how many other businesses there are who specialize in cannoli making. How do you capitalize on your market share? Are there a few other businesses you're sort of competing against? or There, are, there definitely are other ones I'm competing against. There are some that are doing just cannoli. And then there are other ones that are like bigger bakeries, like Italian bakeries that do a, a range of things sure. with cannoli as well. In terms of you know, what makes them stand out. I think the main thing that makes them stand out, there's a few things, but the main one is the shell. So I've tried a lot of different cannoli. I've basically tried everyone in Perth, especially when I was researching this. Yeah, I did like, I had a few weeks there where I was just eating nothing but cannoli. And one thing I always liked about my nonna's recipe um, for the shell was it was very unique and very crispy. And I think that's the the real negative thing about a bad cannoli mm. is that it's not crispy. Mm. It's soft. Like when you go into a bakery and then you get a cannoli and it's like a soggy, soggy. cannoli. No yeah. one likes a soggy cannoli. Yeah. So I put a lot of time trying to make the cannoli shells really crispy, the right sort of thickness that it's not 
like a brick that you bite into mm. but then it's also not going to go soggy in two sure. seconds either and also the fillings so the fillings are are really different i think like i have yep. a lemon cheesecake you know we'll have a little look here there's wow, the le yeah. lemon cheesecake with a glazed cherry okay there's the chocolate jaffa which has chocolate and orange zest yep there's the Ferrero Rocher, which has Yum. Nutella and hazelnuts and chocolate. And then there's also the original, okay. which is uh, like a vanilla ricotta. Okay. And they're all ricotta. We do have plans to introduce other like custard ones. A lot mm. of people want those, but we just don't have the right setup at this point in time to do it. But okay. that's okay. the that's the plan for sure. So Great. And by the way, we, we have the cannolis right here in front yeah. of us. So I'm very excited. So just which looking one, at them. Which one's calling you, do you reckon? <laughs> oh, do you have a recommendation? I mean, well, they all look great. The most popular one is this one here, which is the lemon cheesecake. Okay. So maybe give that one a give shot. Give that one a go? Yeah. All right. I'm so excited to try this crunch. Thanks, Luke. All right. Here we go, guys. I'm about to take a bite moment of this of cannoli. Okay. Moment of truth. That's definitely crunchy. <laughs> There's a lot of crunch there. I hope that crunch was captured on the recording because like, I felt it. I like, yeah, felt it yeah. in my bones. I mean, it's, <laughs> this thing is like crumbling in front of me, like in a good way, in a good way. Wow, I'm very impressed. Thank Luke, you. That's a really good cannoli. Thank you. So this is the lemon cheesecake one. That's the lemon cheese. So that one's, I would say, is probably number one yep. that people like the most. I'm like tempted to eat this whole thing. Just go, me, but go I, for it. I just smash the whole I thing. I mean, I just the podcast can wait. Could the podcast can wait? I hope you guys don't mind. <laughs> I'm just gonna like smash a cannoli and we'll keep going. <laughs> How about I eat it while like during during this episode? I'll just keep biting into this crunch. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Okay. I feel like this definitely stands out mm. to the others I've I've tried in other shops, and I think because they just don't specialize in cannoli. Like I feel like their cannoli have been sitting there. Well, that's it. And that's, that's the thing that I always hate about buying cannoli and, and eating them is that when you go into a place and it's clear they've been sitting, sitting there all day mm -hmm. and understandably, like if you're a bakery, that's sort of something you have to do unless you're willing to fill them on demand. Yeah. But yep. all these are made fresh and made on demand. So if yep. you order them for a Saturday, they'll be made on the Saturday sure. Sure. and filled on the Saturday. So right. you're getting it fresh. Fresh is good. And I'm assuming your nonna has tried these as well. Does she have any opinions on them? She was very supportive. She's yeah. very supportive. I was a bit worried I might be like stepping on her toes and mm -hmm. she'd pass a little judgment, but she's been very supportive, which okay. is awesome. You're going to share the recipe with your nonna? Definitely not. No? No. no. Okay. Well, she, she gave me the shell recipe. Okay. Um, no, I would give it to her. Only her though. <laughs> Only her though, because it's fair. Fair enough. Well, I'm looking forward to like smashing this cannoli later. <laughs> Feel a bit bad eating in front of you, so I won't. But no, that was please, damn good. It's a compliment. I would highly recommend buying Luke's cannoli. And so, do you have a fairly reactive model in terms of responding to demand for your cannoli? Like, is it a matter of them just calling you up or messaging you, and then and then you'll make it? Like, what's the time frame, and how do you how do you respond to them? It varies. I mean, some people call like, "Oh, can I have them tomorrow?" Oh wow! And then. Usually I try and leave at least a day because I just need time to prep everything. Um, but and I've given like a few ways for people to get in contact with me, either online, like through the website or through Facebook or yeah. text or whatever. Yeah. So it varies. Mm -hmm. It varies. Mm -hmm. And every time I try and make it easy for myself, there's always like new orders that come in. So I have to, I think the most important thing is just be really flexible. Be flexible to people's needs. Okay. Yeah. Because... 
they want it now and there's so many options out there as well maybe not for cannoli but there's so many options for other things so if you can't do it right now they'll go somewhere else right okay it must be quite difficult because you'd have to like drive to everyone's houses as well yeah so you never really know what your day's going to look like no and it's pretty cool yeah like i quite like that aspect of it that Mm. i get to go around and like you know go to people's parties that's what i loved about catering as well and so we mentioned before that you have sold out for christmas Mm -hmm. what do you think is a key factor in establishing such a great demand for your product luke there's a few things obviously the product's got to be really good or as good as it can be because people will buy it once if they like it and it's or it looks nice or Mm. maybe it catches their attention or something with a cool ad but they won't buy it again if it's average sure so it's got to be good quality and advertising again i know like i keep mentioning that but it really is important especially now yeah because even though you have a lot of opportunities to advertise yourself Mm. now with facebook and social media and instagram there's just so much competition like you can't explain how much competition there is Mm. but that's not something that should shy you away but it just means that you have to put that effort in yeah because there's a lot of competition but not a lot of people are actually putting in a lot of effort into it into that side of it like there's people on Facebook that have these pages where they're like, you know, Jen's cakes or whatever. And the Facebook isn't particularly like eye-catching, but I've tried the cake and it's mind-blowing. And yeah. it's it's actually a shame mm. where it's like, this is so good, but because this person doesn't know or isn't putting in that same effort, it's just not getting out to enough people because they're getting drowned out. For sure. So yeah, putting in that that time and effort and even a bit of money into the advertising is goes a long way yeah okay at least in the beginning yeah you know. and in the long run do you plan to maybe bring people on board to help you with social media side of things or yeah potentially yeah potentially because it does take up a lot of time mm-hmm. and while i like that my favorite parts are cooking yeah okay yeah so do i think you... it's something that everyone sh- should learn how to do themselves as sure. well if you can okay so just to summarize, Luke, if, are there any pieces of advice you could give for someone who's considering starting up their own business, not necessarily just a food one, but maybe just anything on their own? I would say don't try and have all the answers for every p- possible thing that mm. could happen from the get-go. Because mm. I noticed with myself that in the beginning, like I had all these ideas of oh, I should go this way and I tried to think through every possible solution and then I couldn't feel calm about moving to the next stage until like I had that answer. Yeah. And it ended up just slowing me down. Um, and the answers will come like as they're needed. Yeah. So that and don't really be, a, which is similar, but don't be a perfectionist. A bit of perfectionism is good. Yeah. Like I'm a perfectionist about the product itself to an extent. But if it's slowing you down mm-hmm. and you're actually not doing anything, mm-hmm. then it's not... It's not that you have a lot of standards. It's like like it's affecting your self-esteem in some way that you're afraid it might fail. Yeah. And that's not the same as having high standards. So yeah, I would say those two things. Okay. That's very good advice, Luke. Thank you. And where can everyone find information on your your business? Maybe you could give us a bit of direction on how people could order your cannoli. Sure. Well, if you go to divinecannoli.com.au, you can order through the catering page. Uh, send through all the information through the form there you can also go on facebook through messenger and talk to me there or or you can also go on instagram at divine cannoli and divine underscore cannoli and either of those three but the ideal and i think is the most easiest is going to the website on the catering page okay or you can also 
purchase them online and pay online through the shop page. Okay, seems fairly fairly simple and straightforward. I'd encourage you all to do so because this cannoli is damn good. Um, thank you for coming on to the show, Luke. It's been a pleasure uh, having you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for the free cannoli. You're welcome. <laughs> See you later. Before we go, I do have a short story to share. I've had a listener keep in contact with me since April when I started this podcast series up and she's shown immense support along the way of the last eight months or so, always asking questions about episodes and following up. And I was at the rooftop cinemas, I'd say last last week, and I went to the bar, ordered a drink with a friend and it was one of those situations where you're sort of fighting with your mate over who's going to pay for the drink. And we sort of <laughs> made a bit of a fool of ourselves. Anyway, so the lady behind the bar did a great job in um, managing our behaviour. bit embarrassing, though. And the next day, I had a message from the supporter, my podcast supporter. And she said, hey, Alex, um, keep in mind that we've, we've never actually met before. Hey, Alex, I, I think I saw you the other day at the rooftop cinemas at the bar and I'm just wondering whether it was you. Turns out it was the same person who's been a supporter of mine all this time, only except I made a complete fool of myself <laughs> in person. So there you go. It's a small world you can't hide in Perth. And obviously appreciate that I did get a chance to meet you in person. Um, whether that tarnished my reputation or not is another question. <laughs> but I thought I'd just share that. I'll leave you on that. You're listening to The Shady Economist, making economics accessible to everyone. Please follow me on Instagram at The Shady Economist. And as I've said before, if there are any topics you'd like me to discuss in the future or in episodes, please feel free to let me know. Or if you want some clarity behind any topics or any theory, just send me a message and I'm happy to address them in there. I look forward to listening in on the next episode. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.